0: She kind of set it on the T for me there, but I am not going to take that at all. I I want my relationship with Sharon to stay where it is. It's good. Um, Those of you who are new or newish to Grace Point, you don't know this, um, but Sharon is actually um, the wife of our former pastor. Um, And Sharon is jumping in and um, serving the church in this way through some some communication stuff with uh, Nikki. Um, But you also need to know her husband. Ed serves downstairs in the fort every single, almost every single week. Um, he serves our kids, and I love this. The kids call him Mr. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea. No idea, but that's what they call him. So, and, and I say that to, to say this. If anybody should kick back and relax and let us serve them, it's Ed and Sharon, but they're jumping in and serving us. So if you're not serving, You should serve. (laughs) You should get on a ministry team and find ways to serve people. Be like Ed and Sharon. They're great examples, right? It's be like Ed and Sharon. That has nothing to do with the message, but I just thought I'd say say that, okay? Let's jump in. Part four of me and my big mouth. We've been talking about the power of words, how they have the power um, to to influence and direct our lives, how they have the power to influence and direct um, our relationships um, even. And, and today we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. And um, there, are, there are different series every now and then. They're usually relational series where I'll, I'll step into the series and I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to say um, each week or have a pretty good idea of where we're going to go in the series. But every now and then I'll, I'll teach through a series. And while I'm teaching through the series, I'll stand up here and I'll say something and then I'll leave here just like you leave here and I'll go do the exact opposite of what I just said. And this series, it, it's almost been like every single week. I, yeah, let's go do this. Let's stop saying dumb stuff. And then I walk out of here and I say dumb stuff. And it's, to the, it's usually to the people that are closest to me. Like I could bring my kids up here and I could, they could tell you some really dumb stuff that I've said over the last four weeks while I've been teaching this. You want to know why? Because this series is about me and my big mouth, not my kids and their big mouth. Not my wife, not my boss, not my, you know, in-laws, not, it's not, it's not what it's about, it's about me and my big mouth. So just a little bit of confession, I felt like I needed to get that off my, my chest, okay? This week, part four, we, uh, we've been hanging out in Proverbs for most of the time, and uh, the, the, the block of scripture that we've just kept on going back to, we've looked at a few of the 150 wisdom sayings that you find in the book of Proverbs. Today, we're going to take a different route, and we're going to listen to somebody else, another part of Scripture. Um, most of you know this. Uh, maybe. Paul stepped onto the scene of, of, of history, stepped onto the pages of history um, as a persecutor of the church. He was actually known as Saul at the very beginning. He was a Jew, and he thought this you know, new kind of knockoff Jewish religion um, needed to go away. And so he did everything in his power to get that thing to go away. He, he, he rounded up Christians. He persecuted them. He had them brought to Jerusalem to be tried, um, to, to be tortured, in some cases even executed. And then he had his um, road to Damascus experience. If you've ever heard the phrase blinded by the light, if you've ever heard, you know, the light bulb went on, that's where that phrase comes from. Because Paul was on his way to persecute some Christians. And, and Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. He was literally blinded by the light. And through that experience, he had a 180 degree life transformation experience. He went from persecuting the church to planting churches, he went from trying to be against the church to one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. On this earth, And, and he, would, he would start these little churches all over the Mediterranean rim. And then he would leave and he would go and start another one. And then he would write these letters back to these churches to, to encourage them, to challenge them, to clarify some things. Sometimes they had questions that they asked him and he would answer those questions. And, and so what we're going to look at today is actually part of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. We know of it as the book of Ephesians. Uh, but it was—it was, it really started as a letter to this church in, in Ephesus. And one of the things that he's going to talk about is how they use their words, how they follow Jesus with their words. Okay, so that's where we're going today. But um, one last thing before we start looking at the scripture. Um, if, you're, if you're not a Christian or maybe you're trying to figure out what you believe about Jesus, either here in the room, in the Tandem venue, maybe you're watching this online. I I just want to be very, very clear about this. What we're looking at today, I I don't want you to ever hear me say, you should do this, You you really need to do this. There is no expectation for you to do anything we're going to talk about today, because what we're going to talk about today was written to Christians. But there's some good news for you here because you can try this at home for free because it's good advice, okay? It's good if you're, if you're, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're accountable to this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is just good advice that you can take or you can leave. I think you're going to take it because I think you believe that this is, this is the way that you want your relationships to go. This is how you want to talk, even if you don't necessarily believe everything that we believe, okay? So, That's for those of you who are are not followers of Jesus. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're accountable to that. We're accountable to what we're gonna look at. And it goes all the way back to what we already sang about today. So with all of that, Ephesians 4 is where we're gonna be. Before we read these verses, I I just wanna give you some context for how uh, Paul is thinking and who he's writing to. Um, Paul is writing to um, Gentiles who've become Christians and they're trying to figure out, okay, I'm not a Jew, so how do I, with all my gentileness, how am I supposed to follow Jesus? And Paul essentially says, well, before you followed Jesus, you had a worldview. You you had a way of thinking that matched the way your culture thinks. Your worldview matched your culture's worldview, and their culture was polytheistic. They believed in the gods. If you remember from high school or from college, um, studying the Roman and the Greek gods, this, that's what these people believed. And, and in a polytheistic culture, it was every man for himself. It was, it was about me. It was about you know me and my rights. It's about might makes right. It's every man for himself. It's bad luck to be poor. It was bad luck to be born a woman. It was, it was bad luck to be conquered because it's, it's a winner-take-all culture. And you know where they got that idea? From the gods. Because that's how the gods lived. That's what they believed that the gods thought and how they thought. That's how their gods operated. So their worldview, their religion, their, their, their thinking affected their behavior. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know this, but there are certain behaviors associated with your belief system. Like your belief system should affect how you live. It affects how you view people, how you treat people, how you remain faithful to your spouse, how you love your neighbor, how you love your enemy. There are certain behaviors that are associated with our belief system. But in paganism, in a polytheistic culture, there is no morality. There were no behavioral expectations because their gods didn't expect that of them. So in this letter... He introduces these ex-pagans, these ex-Polytheists to a completely different worldview than the one they were born and raised in. And, and we cannot even imagine how difficult that would be for Paul. And one of the reasons we can't imagine this, I'm, I'm in a, a, a global Christian history class right now and I'm just, I'm just reminded how grateful we should be to Jesus and to Paul and to the early church, especially those of us in the Western world. Because Jesus and Paul in the early church advocated for what you and I assume. They advocated for what you and I assume. Let me explain that. You assume people have individual dignity. You assume that. You, you assume everyone has individual dignity. You assume that women and children should be protected and respected. You assume that. You assume that, that sexual harassment and sexual abuse is wrong. You assume that, but have you ever asked why? Why do you assume that? Because when Paul wrote this letter, that was not assumed. That was not the dominant worldview where he is writing to. But you and I assume those things because 2,000-year-old Christian teaching and practice has impacted our world, has impacted our culture. And that's not to say that everybody in the Western world is Christian. That's not what I'm saying at all but Christianity has impacted the entire Western world. The reason our culture thinks the way it does in terms of values and morality is because of the teaching of Jesus. It's because of the teaching of Paul. It's the way that the early church lived it out, and we've all benefited from it, whether you believe it or not. Is it perfect? Nope. But I can take you to a whole bunch of other countries where that's not assumed, and you won't want to live there. What they advocated for we assume. So back to Ephesians. Paul talks about putting off or taking off their old way of living, their old way of, of behaving, their pagan polytheistic lifestyle. And Ephesians 4.17 is where he starts. But, and he starts talking about putting on a completely different way. He, he basically says, you need to stop acting like the gods you used to worship and start acting like the god you currently worship, who, by the way, has invited you to approach him as a heavenly father who sent his son in order not to toy with you like the Greek and Roman gods did, not to toy with you, but to love you, to adopt you, to bring you into his family, to give you brothers and sisters in the church. And then he begins to give them some specific application. He talks about all kinds of different behaviors but one of their behaviors is, is, is about their mouth, okay? So he talks big picture. You've taken off one worldview of thinking that's all about me, 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 me. You've started to view the world the way your heavenly father views it. And when that happens, here's what it's gonna look like in real time. And here's the specific application of this new way of living. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 29, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, the most interesting word in that, in that sentence to me is unwholesome. A little Greek word translated unwholesome in our Bibles, it's what's, it's what's used to describe the smell of rotting fish or the smell of rotting fruit, the smell of, of stinky, nasty sandals. So Paul, Paul is saying, when you think about the words, as a Jesus follower, not as a polytheist, You think of your words as a Jesus follower. Do not let any distasteful word come out of your mouth. Now, the imagery of the smelly, rotting fish is pretty poignant, so we're going to stick with that, okay? And here's what Paul is saying. Avoid fish mouth. Avoid fish mouth. um, Some of you know this. There's a scene from Lord of the Rings where Smeagol becomes Gollum. And he, he takes this fish and his, his, his mouth is nasty. His teeth are gross. And he bites into the fish and all these juices and gah comes out. It was so disgusting. I thought about showing it to you, but I didn't want to ruin your lunch. So I'm not going to show it to you. Right? But I am going to show this to you. This is, this is the picture of this guy instead. Okay? Paul's saying, don't be that guy. Okay? That's a little bit gross. It's a little bit distasteful. You, I got a mint here. I'm going to pop in after we're done with a message just because of this picture, right? Don't let any, don't avoid fish mouth. Just don't let anything smelly, distasteful, gross come out of your mouth. And I think like, like maybe this is a phrase we should start using. I'm serious. In our families, um, maybe if you own a business, you just start using this phrase. In your, in your marriage, you know, wherever it is. Somebody starts saying something critical or rude or mean, or maybe there's some attitude behind what they're saying. You just tell them, you just look at them and say, Hey, you got fish mouth. Stop it. You got fish mouth. Paul says, Do not let, which means you're in control. I'm in control. I get to choose what comes out of my mouth. Your mouth is like a gate, and you're the gatekeeper. And Paul says, don't let them out. Just don't let them out. You keep those nasty, stinky, rotten words in there, and they're going to rush the gate every single day. Right? James says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. No man can tame the tongue. Those words are going to continue to rush your mouth every single day, and you're the gatekeeper. Your mouth is the gate. You're the gatekeeper. So to avoid fish mouth, to avoid letting any unwholesome word out of your mouth, here's what we do. We avoid fish mouth by guarding our mouths. We avoid fish mouth by guarding our mouths. We make an intentional, consistent decision. I'm just going to avoid, I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to, I'm going to guard my mouth. Don't let them out. Now, that's kind of the negative side. That's, that's Paul's way of saying, don't do this. But if you're going to turn the corner and you to say, do this instead. Don't do that but let me give you something to do instead. He says, all those words that charge the gate, don't let them out, but only, in other words, there's gonna be some words you're gonna have to let out, but the only way they're getting out is if you go through their backpacks and their purse and you put them in that x-ray machine, like at the airport we you put your hands up in the air and put your feet on little yellow feet patterns. Once you've done that, that's when you can let them out. Don't let any words smuggle anything distasteful out of your mouth, so once you've checked, Their backpack, their purses, all that stuff, the only words you should allow out of the gate of your mouth are words that are helpful for building others up according to their needs. He gives us us a construction idea. Okay, a word picture, building others up. Paul says, I want you to imagine that, that every conversation is like a construction site and your words are building materials. Every conversation is a construction site. Your words are building material. And your responsibility, especially as a Jesus follower, is to consider every single word something you use to build the other person up. And so when you leave that construction site, when you leave that conversation, they are better off. They are built up from having talked to you. So, what would that look like in families? What would that look like in in marriages? What would that look like in places of employment? What would that look like at school? What would that look like in your friends group? What would that look like in that group text that you are a part of? Teenagers? What would that look like on social media? What would that look like? That every, every conversation you have, it's building the other person up. And at the end of the day, he says, when you get this right, they're going to be better off for it because you'll build them up according to whose needs? Theirs. Now, I, I got I to be honest with you. I struggle with that one. It's challenging because I want to talk about what I want to talk about. Your story's good, but I got a different one, right? Like I'm listening to you, but I'm not listening to hear you. I'm listening to respond to you. I got, I got my thing where, where I think the conversation go, and very rarely am I thinking about the other person's needs when they're talking. But Paul says, that's not the way of Jesus. That's the old way. That's, that's the, the ex-pagan way. That's the polytheistic way. I'm talking about the new way. I'm talking about the Jesus life way. Because for God so loved the world that he took? no. It's for God so love the word that he gave, and we should look for opportunities to use our words, to give, to build people up, so that it may benefit. It may benefit those who listen. It's for their benefit, not yours. But I want to tell my story. I want to make my point. I want to get a word in. I want them to know how smart I am. I want to have the last word. I want to throw in my zinger. I want to say my thing. And God is saying through Paul, Tim, it's not about you. It's not about you. That's the way the pagans live. That's the way of the gods. That's not the way of your God. And then he gets spiritual. He gets spiritual on us, but this is so practical. He says, when it comes to your words, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, did you know you have the power to grieve the Holy Spirit? You, with your words, have the power to grieve the Holy Spirit. You can say something to someone that makes the Holy Spirit go, here I am trying to build them up, and you come along with your words and tear them down. Why would you do that? And, and I'm not saying I like having that ability. But Paul says, don't do that. And then it's like Paul pauses and he thinks, okay, you know what? <laughs> Some of the people in my audience, they're, they're going to hear this. They're going to read this. They're, 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 they're going to struggle with this. And the reason they're going to struggle with it is because things have happened to them that they had no control over. And, and, and because of words, and I'm just telling you, he's about to get up in our business. Okay. So everybody put your seatbelt on. Because, listen, if I was writing this, I would have just stopped at the Holy Spirit and left it like in the ethereal, like, was it really the Holy Spirit? I don't know. I don't know. But Paul, Paul doesn't stop. He, does, he doesn't give us applications and move on. Paul's smart enough to know that we can figure that. So instead, Paul goes to the root of why many of us struggle with this. And it looks like he's changing the subject, but he's not changing the subject. He's getting to the heart of the subject. Why is it that you and I allow things to escalate sometimes? Like why is it that you say things and I say things and we walk away and go, what in the world? Why, why did I go there? Why did I say that? And he says, if, if you're going to get this right, if you're going to be a builder instead of a demolisher, there's something you need to deal with in your heart. And here's what he says. Get rid Of all bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness. Wait a minute, Paul. I thought we were talking about words. Paul says, I am. I am talking about words. I'm still talking about words. The little Greek phrase, get rid of, does not mean stop. It means gather it all up, put it in a bag, tie the bag, walk it out to the street, drop it, and leave it like you do trash. Get rid of it. I want you to pack it all up, put it in the trash bag, take it out to the street, and let somebody else take it away and don't deal with it again. You see, bitterness? Bitterness shows up not only in what you say, but usually, at least this is in my life, how you say it. And most of the time, who you say it to. Isn't it true? Like your bitterness comes out most around the people you love the most? You can't be a builder if you're bitter. You can't be a builder if you're bitter because your bitterness will seep into your words, your volume, your tone, your attitude. It it affects both the the content and the intent of what you say. And Paul says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And and the way you get rid of it, I mean, the, the antidote, the solution for bitterness, you guys know this already. Bitterness requires forgiveness. Bitterness requires forgiveness because for most of us, our bitterness comes from words spoken to us, about us, or over us. To us, about us, or over us. Because you grew up in a home where your parents never spoke positive words of encouragement to you. And even when they did, there was a little barb, there was a little hook on it. you're coming out of a marriage where words were used to keep you down. They took something from you. They took your self-esteem. They took your self-image. Words were used to take your reputation. Maybe a season of your life. Maybe maybe even your money. And, but then you don't stay there. You go into new relationships. You go into new cities. You go into new friendships. You go into new jobs. You go into new churches. And though the, the shrapnel from those wounds go with you the shrapnel from words spoken to you, over you and about you. We bring that into our current relationships. We bring those into it and it affects what you say. It affects how you say it. It affects the tone and the words that you let come out of your mouth. People, people dealing with bitterness are trying to pay people back (laughs) that never did anything to them because they can't pay the person back who wounded them. People with bitterness are trying to pay people back that never did anything to them because they can't pay the person back who wounded them. And the remedy for that is forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply the decision to give someone from your past what they don't deserve so you can give someone in your present what they do. So moms, dads, Husbands, wives, sons, daughters. Get rid of your bitterness. Make the decision to forgive. If you're a single parent, you got to deal with your bitterness. Because if you're not careful, all of us, what was taken from us from someone else in the past comes out in relationships right now today. Paul says, get rid of it. But he's not done. He's not done. There's a list. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of rage and anger. Get rid of brawling, all that yelling and screaming and stuff you allow to escalate. Get rid of brawling and slander. Tim Collins talked about that last week. Get rid of gossip. Get rid of it. Get rid of, along with every form of malice. Take all that stuff, put it in a big old bag, take it out to the street and just get rid of it. Paul says, to those first century Gentiles trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, this is a different way. I know it's a different way. I know it's different than how you grew up. It's different than your worldview. But this is new. I know in your pagan society, it's all about treating people the way that they've treated you. But I'm telling you, the Jesus way is a different way. I'm calling you to a different standard. And So Paul, what exactly does that look like? Right? How, how, how do we, what does it look like to be a builder? He goes on, verse 32. He says, be kind. Now this isn't avoid hard things. That's not what he's saying here. We, we can have difficult conversations and have them the right way. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You can be brutally honest without being brutal. That's what he's saying. Be kind, but it's more than that. And compassionate. Being compassionate in how we talk is not just how we say it, it's also understanding the emotion of the person you're talking to. I am terrible at this. I'm absolutely terrible. I need to grow in this. To, to, to tune in to the emotion of the person on the other side. Be kind and compassionate to one another, and it's not just what you say, it's the, under, the emotion. Forgiving each other, because if you don't forgive each other, it's going to impact the way you talk to each other. Okay, Paul, so how far should we take that whole thing? There it is. Just as in Christ. God forgave you. Um, one, one pastor, he calls this the platinum rule. Now, the golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There's, a, there's another one above that. It's do unto others the way Christ has done unto you. And, and, and again, Paul is writing to this culture, to this religious worldview. where well, that is brand new. It's why he says it all the time. Be like Christ. Treat others like Christ. Forgive each other like Christ. Over and over again. And over, you forgive the way Jesus has forgiven you. He he uses this in terms of forgiveness, but again, when we put it in the context of our words, it looks a little more like this. Speak unto others as God in Christ has spoken to you. Speak unto others as God in Christ has spoken to you. How would that change? How would that change your place of business if you have control over that? How would that change your family? How would that change that broken relationship with your brother because of Christmas of 91? What would that change in your marriage? What would that change in that relationship with your prodigal son, your prodigal daughter? Speak unto them the way Christ has spoken to you. Paul is saying, look at the grace that God has given you and then turn around and give that kind of grace to other people with the way you talk. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go back through the whole passage. I'm going to read, read it straight through. And as I do, I just want you to ask two questions, okay? Two questions. The first one is this. Where do you have work to do? When it comes to this, where's the areas that you have work to do? And the second question is not as much fun. Who hopes you'll get to work soon? Where do you have work to do? And who hopes you'll get to work soon? So here's the passage all put together. We're thinking about these two questions as we work through it. Here we go. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. No fish mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up, because you're on a construction site, according to their needs, not yours, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't cause the Spirit to go, why did you say that? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, God has made an unconditional promise to you. He's pledged you his unconditional love. Why would you make your love conditional towards other people? Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Put it in a bag, take it out to the street, leave it there. Be kind. Just decide that you, as you guard your mouth, if the words aren't kind, you're not going to say them. Be kind and compassionate. Dial into the motion of the other person. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. How far should we take that, Paul? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Where do you have work to do? Because come on, we've all got work to do. And who hopes you'll get to work soon? So here's, Here's some homework, all right? And I know you guys don't do this most of the time, but I'm gonna keep giving it to you, okay? Here's some homework. I, I wanna suggest sometime in between now and, and next Sunday, you sit down with a piece of paper and a writing utensil. You guys know what, that, you know what that is? It's like paper and pen? If you need to buy one, I can point you to some stores. But, but get a piece of paper and get a pen. And I want you to spend some time answering the question. What was taken from me in the past that's affecting my present? What words have been spoken to me about me over me that's affecting how I speak to and about and over people today? Like why is it why is it that I fly off the handle when that situation happens? What, what, what has been taken from me that I'm trying to extract from other people, from, from that first marriage, from that job, from, you know, what do I think somebody owes me that I'm trying to get from other people? I'm trying to get from my kids, my husband, my wife to pay back a debt. They don't owe. I want you to actually write down the words that have been spoken to you, about you, or over you. And listen, I know it's not pleasant to think about this. We want to forget them. We want to push them down into the deep recesses of our minds. But is that the best way to deal with that? If we're going to get rid of it? I want you to write them down. And, and, and instead of just the, the temptation, to the give in into the temptation of just hearing this and feeling uncomfortable for these few moments, like some of you just want me to hurry up and pray and say amen so you can move on. Instead of that, I want to encourage you to lean into it. I wanna encourage you to bring that stuff up because some of, you, you've, some of you have gone to counseling to deal with some of this. And I just want you to spend some time, get a piece of paper, write something with and write out the words that were spoken to you, about you or over you. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the words and I want you to read them. You can read them out loud. You can read them to yourself. And then I want you to wad up that piece of paper. I want you to put it into a plastic bag. I want you to tie it real tight. I want you to walk out to your dumpster, to your trash can, scare away the cats, the mice, whatever's around. Open the lid. Throw it in there. And leave it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Bitterness, rage, anger, malice, whatever it is, that you're trying to extract from the people around you because of what people in your past have done. Just get rid of it. I see as followers of Jesus, we take our cues from the one who gave his life for us, not our cues from the ones who take life from us. We take our cues from him. And when you do, when you avoid fish mouth, you're being like your father in heaven. When you build instead of destroy, you're being like your Father in heaven. When you're kind and compassionate, you're being like your Father in heaven. And when you get rid of all bitterness, when you forgive, you're like your Father in heaven. And going back to the very first song we sang today, you will be free. Speak unto others the way Christ has spoken unto you. Father in heaven, this is a whole lot easier to sit up here and say than it is to walk out of this place and do. So many layers to this. So many interconnected relationships in this. But God, I believe that you are greater than that. I believe your spirit is able to empower us to get rid of all of this. God, for some of us, we, we, we need to leave this place and we need to sit down and we need to spend some time with you. And the whole time, we need, to be, we need to be praying as we write out some of these things. God, I don't want to be bitter anymore. I don't want the people around me to feel the wounds of the shrapnel that's in my soul So would you help me? Would you help me to be like you? Would you help me to lean into some of these things? And God, as they do, as they they take those steps, as they pray some of those things and they allow your spirit to come into that moment, it's not gonna be easy. God, I believe they'll start to experience some freedom as they guard their mouths, as they build instead of destroy. And God, we all need help with this because what James said is true. It's a restless evil. No man can tame the tongue. But what Paul said is true just as much. And we live in the tension between these two things. So God, would you help us as your people to reflect your grace in everything we do, especially when it comes to the power of our words. God, would you help us as men and women as people that are trying to follow hard after Jesus, to bring bits and pieces of your kingdom to this earth in the words that we speak, to people, about people, and over people. In the end, it is about your kingdom. It is about your glory. It is about your power forever and ever and ever and ever. And we ask all these things. We say all of these things in the name of Jesus. Thanks for hanging with us throughout this series. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hope to see you back next week. You're dismissed.